Welcome to an Inward Authority podcast. Today we're going to discuss faith as it relates to my experience and the Bible. I remember as a kid standing still with my family before a long wooden bench while holding a book filled with words I never use. I recall praying to just be able to sit down. People were singing, although it wasn't pretty, and there was a man in a white robe with some kind of colorful decorations at the front of the crowded wooden benches. I never heard these songs anywhere else, and I doubt anyone would otherwise want to hear them. I always questioned anything that didn't quite fit. This church thing, to me, didn't quite fit. It just didn't make sense to me. My parents made me show up, be a person I'm not, with a lot of rules on how to dress and how to speak. For a place to supposedly bring so much freedom and joy, there were so many constraints and so much worry about what other people think. It just seemed like a whole lot of people-pleasing. I apologize if this offends anyone, but that's not the goal. The goal is that I need to share my truth, my experience, how I felt, and what I thought. This is my experience, and church just did not work for me. It's important that we each share our own experiences, because I believe that I'm not alone. I believe that there are probably a lot of kids actually feeling and thinking the way I used to. I've worked with church youth from 6th grade to uh, high school to young adults, actually, for over a decade. And I also work with kids in the school system for over 14 years. And on top of that, all this experience is after having a master's degree in education. I believe Jesus was the type that listened to people like I was, and prostitutes, and thieves, and people who were just broken, and hurt, and confused. I think those are the people that Jesus sought out. In order to give oneself entirely to God, entirely to Jesus, to the way that they do things, the person must be made ready, ready to end everything about themselves, to surrender completely to a new way of life. This is the special quality in someone that's broken. This is the place that I had to get to in order to turn my life completely to God. And when I say completely, it doesn't mean perfectly. It means I'm done relying on me. I choose to pursue God's ways over mine. It doesn't mean that mine won't get in the way, because they do. And this has to be done daily in my mind. The heart sometimes lags behind, but I need to first think about God. So getting back to my experiences as a child going to church, I had no interest there. I had trouble sitting still. I just remember a bunch of formalities. When adults talked, my mind would just go numb. I would just space off and wait for them to be done. My parents weren't the best teachers. They weren't the best conversationalists. We didn't really talk much. My parents, they never pulled the you're going to hell card or anything like that. I don't really remember any learning anything much about God or church or religion outside of what I've just said. I'm not here to blame anybody. I'm not here to blame my parents or blame the church. It was probably a lot to do with me and my inability and disinterest in learning anything about it. I recall my mom praying with me at night as I went to bed. I learned God in heaven being something in the stars. That's what I remember learning about God. 
Today I know God is within me and around me everywhere. My situation was similar to Dorothy in Wizard of Oz not knowing about her shoes and the power that they have. Her shoes were on the whole time and God was with me the whole time. I believe God has been within my reach, uh, but I didn't know how to see. I was like a kid stuck in a Chinese finger trap. I only knew the way out of something was to go away from it. And a Chinese finger trap, moving fingers away from it, just makes it tighter. I had to relearn how to orient my mind, heart, attitude, and choices to experience God. Yet there are two conditions to learn about God. One, I had to be a student. I had to be willing to listen and pay attention and think and then apply that thinking to where it might change me inside. And the second one was I had to have a teacher, not just any teacher, but a teacher who knew what they were saying through experience. Those are the two things that I needed to learn about God. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. I believe faith leads a person to develop a good testimony. God is good. I rely upon God, then I seek God's good. If I love God, then I love God's good. God's good is way different than the world's good. Please read all of Hebrews 11 for examples of good testimonies. Such testimonies can take a whole lifetime to develop. Here's my testimony. I began a roller coaster ride in dysfunction. I spent a lot of time at school standing outside of classrooms and in the principal's office. I never gave much thought to God, the Bible, or church. I went to church a few times after that, but just to ride my bike with a friend and climb stuff there. The church was alongside a canal. We used to jump our bikes into the canal and sometimes catch crawdads. Then, of course, we would line the crawdads up on the edge of the canal and throw dirt clods at them, trying to knock them back in. We didn't have money, so we used whatever was around to create games. In middle school, my friends and I just sought out trouble. We were literally trying to see how much we could get away with. I remember one time in art class, we were seeing how high we could stack metal stools before the teacher would catch us. One time, I turned a glue bottle upside down uh, to act like I was going to put glue on my friend's sister's hair, but... I didn't realize the cap was screwed open until the glue came out. Another trip to the office. We got used to detention. When my friends and I were together, we would encourage each other to do evil. One time at lunch, I threw a pickle slice toward my friends, and it ended up hitting a teacher in the face. The teachers got together and made sure my friends and I were assigned different classrooms because we just would provoke and encourage each other to do bad things. I recall a teacher trying to express how she cared about me and coming to the conclusion she was lying. I believe she was caring for me through the confines of her job and schedule. I get that much care anywhere. Is that really caring? I didn't think so. So I viewed adults as a bunch of liars. Since we were discussing faith, we needed to get down to beliefs. Faith comes through belief. I gave up on faith in any good in the world while I was in middle school, probably because I just didn't discover it. Things got so much worse in high school. 
I learned that one of my middle school teachers actually had a list of students least likely to graduate high school, and I was on it. I ran away a couple of times. I did drop out, but I went back. I was bullied and had to change schools. I was diagnosed emotionally handicapped and put in special education. I was suspended for drug possession. I graduated special education to regular classes just before finally graduating high school. It took me five years to complete high school. I was terrible with relationships. I kept to myself a lot and wouldn't say much. Since my relationships were often focused on evil, I learned not to get close. For good reasons, I didn't trust anyone. My friends would pretty much lie, steal, cheat from me, with me, around me, behind me, behind my back. So it was hard to trust anybody. Long story short, a lot of bad stuff happened. My mom had stopped drinking through a 12-step program when I was 15, and she was a major influence upon me staying alive. I did everything aggressive and to the limit. I had a drinking problem that led to legal issues, financial problems, and destroyed relationships. I eventually tried controlling my drinking, and it, was, and it just wasn't for me. I realized I had to stop or face life-altering problems. By the time I was 21 years old, I became convinced that I needed help. Experience always shaped my beliefs and life. I lost faith in people because of all the lies and betrayal I experienced. I lost faith in life because I just didn't witness anything good in it. As I attended some meetings, I began to experience many testimonies of those who got sober following spiritual principles. This experience in listening to testimonies helped me gain hope. I feel the need to clarify that there were many testimonies that did not help my faith. Sometimes it seemed to me that people were fake and lying, yet I experienced enough testimonies to hear some that convinced me they were telling the truth. These individuals seemed to know something I didn't, something good, and I wanted to know what that was. As I finally agreed to reach out for help, I was told I needed to do work. They would tell me uh, a lot of things I needed to do. There was always action involved. There was reading the book and learning some basic ideas and principles, but mostly it was emphasized that I needed to take action. I needed to pray. I needed to show up for groups. I later found that the Bible would sometimes use the phrase good works. Not just works, but good works. There were, and sometimes there was a differentiation between works and good works. So the first thing I needed to do was to get a sponsor and a home group and a service commitment. It was suggested that I go to 90 meetings in 90 days, which I tried, but fell short of that. The amount of information in the beginning was overwhelming. I went through the steps. I had so many questions, but instead of answers, I was always told to do something. I was told to do the steps, I was told to read, I was told to pray, I was told to help other people. It was always something that I was supposed to do. There were always solutions that required me changing. Experience is what mattered. The three essentials that were continuously laid out was that I needed to be honest and my willingness to, to take action and to do what was suggested was also another essential. And then an open mind. Was I resistant? Was I guarded? Was I defensive? Those things would just get in the way. So I needed to have an open mind. I needed to be honest. I needed to be willing to do new things. 
So I didn't want to grow with God because God involved things I didn't want. I didn't want to let someone help me. I didn't want to read or examine my character. I didn't want to meditate and pray. Yet it was going to get better. I had to commit to a new way of life, doing what I did not want to do while denying things I wanted to do. I had to become less and God's ways become more. I had to humble myself. And this has been the course for me growing with God my whole life, and it still is today. Growth requires a specific course of action, and that is towards God. My mind, my heart, my soul, my strength, my actions, my attitude, my goals, all this has to be oriented toward God for me to grow with God. So I had to surrender the things I wanted to do that were not part of God's program and do new things that were part of God's program. Just getting rid of sin, evil, or bad habits didn't produce anything new for me. It just stopped something. In order to produce something new, I needed to add something. Stopping something doesn't necessarily add anything. Growing with God required seeking and searching. I had trouble figuring out this God thing on my own. I was told to pray, but not how to pray or what to pray. They did say pray to God, but I didn't know God. So it was like praying to empty space. But I did it anyway. I did it over and over, being open to learn while not really getting anything out of it. I stayed the course, persevered, and trusted the process. They would tell me things like, don't quit before the miracle happens. Uh, Martin Luther King said faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And I guess that's what this was. I was praying. I had no idea what I was doing or where it was going. But I did it anyway. I didn't understand, but... I was told taking the action would help me into understanding. As I persevered, because I didn't quit before the miracle happened, it actually proved to be true. As I have touched on in other podcasts, I went through a course of action that was more challenging than anything else in my life. I faced my thoughts, feelings, and actions with the intention of making corrections and improvements. Confession with others and repentance to a good orderly direction became my mission. Nothing else mattered. The only way to change character is to apply new character. I was convicted about a set of attitudes and beliefs I needed to let go. Realizing the way I believed was defective was unsettling. Learning that I was wrong, that my identity and personality was flawed, and that the way I understood life was incorrect was quite disturbing. Fear and confusion developed and persisted throughout the journey into corrective action. I slowly let go of these thoughts and attitudes through prayer and redirecting myself into God's will. I began practicing new thoughts and attitudes to help others and do right. When I later learned in the Bible about righteousness, I knew what it was talking about. Doing what is spiritually right and good is to act with God. God is good a universal good. Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Being in God's righteousness is simply living more right with God's principles and character. Then it was time to make right my wrongs. To change, I needed to experience a death to self. Philippians 1.21 For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Mark 8.34 When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me.
my God used to be physical euphoria. I wanted to party and experience euphoric sensations. I wanted to feel pleasure because pleasure felt wonderful. It took years to realize this way of life had many downsides and destructive consequences. I finally experienced someone who was good. I began to believe that maybe there was a good God. Psalm 34.8 O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Since evil has to do with simple things we experience each day, like envy, vanity, pride, deception, dishonesty, controlling, manipulating, gluttony, and the like, God's good, likewise, has to do with compassion, mercy, forgiveness, peace, love, truth, and justice. Good is doing right. Righteousness is doing right. And grace is also good and right. As I began this new journey to do good and make right my wrongs, I encountered life-altering choices. I had to change everything. I had to change how I spoke, how I handled stress, what I did for fun, how I dressed and decorated, and even my relationships. My whole life centered around getting intoxicated. Experiencing this much change was extremely stressful, confusing, emotionally challenging, and I no longer had chemicals to manage it. To hear more about this, you can listen to the podcasts on peace. I remember having my best friend over and realizing he was high on marijuana. I realized he had some on him and that I could get high with him. I had to make a choice. I had an urge to get high, but I was on a mission. I had committed to this new way of life. I shared with him how I appreciated his friendship, but that I could no longer be around him while he was high. I never saw him after that. That was a testimony to a true nature of our relationship him never contacting me again. Since I had to change everything about me, I had a loss of identity. This loss of identity and belonging is hard to endure, but I was seeking a new and improved belonging. I experienced endurance and perseverance for a long time, building this relationship and reliance upon God. It took a year through much hurt, anger, and sadness before I finally experienced a deep sense of peace, freedom, and contentment. I had a new identity with God, and it felt good. Life doesn't stop, and temptation doesn't stop either. The world I live in does not support, encourage, and belong with God's goodness. The world I live in does much the opposite. I pursued education and money. As I set my heart and mind toward school, I gradually decreased seeking God and God's good character. I associated with others who were full of selfish ambition and godlessness. I fell away from seeking God's good. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. By the world's standards, these people I associated with were not evil. They were your average college adults. They just didn't seek development of God's character. And for me, being in the habit of not relying upon God's ways as a solution is very dangerous. Relying upon my own understanding of life and how to behave is not good. Eventually, loneliness, emptiness, and feeling miserable with life led me back toward the 12-step process. I was fortunate to experience enough pain to humble myself to seek God again and listen carefully. As my heart and mind was humbled, broken, and ready to accept whatever God would give me, I was provided help through another man. I learned the meaning of Matthew 6.24. No one can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, which is money, and I think money, for me anyway, it ties right into pride, prestige, status, what kind of job I have, how much income I have, what kind of house or car or clothes I have, all of that stuff. If I'm seeking that more than I am God, that's a problem for me. I believe I either trust God completely or I don't. I learned giving my all to serve God makes a tremendous difference in the results, the spiritual results. If I choose to follow the ways of others that are outside of God's good, whether they're doing what the world wants and being very successful at it without God's goodness or pursuing some other kind of evil, then I choose to follow sin. Remember, sin is to miss the mark, and the mark is God. So the only way for me not to be in sin is when I'm doing precisely or increasingly God's goodness, God's righteousness. And that's all about God's character. This, for me, is the epitome of faith. Not my will, but God's will be done. Whatever it is, when I'm willing to serve God, no matter what, then I'm responding in good faith. This is the kind of faith that has always brought good results. Good faith brings good results. I have witnessed this for 30 years and have listened to hundreds of others verify this truth, so to me, it's just a fact of life. It's normalized. The 12 steps that have helped millions describe it. The Bible describes it. It's verifiable through appropriate action, godly action, good action, righteousness. The people alive and with us today affirm it. I experienced it and am experiencing it. To me, that makes it a fact. There's enough evidence for me to see that as a fact. Let's look at differentiating fact from opinion. Here are two statements. One. A man is heavy. Is this fact or opinion? Well, it's being called an opinion because heavy is kind of relative. It can vary from person to person what heavy is. Then here's another statement. A man weighs 175 pounds. Is this fact or opinion? The teachings are that that's a fact because it's verifiable. You can put them on a scale and you can find out for sure. And it's, that makes it the same answer for everybody. That's the reality people would say. Well, remember, a fact is verifiable. That's what makes a fact. A fact is verifiable and can be somewhat measured or gauged or tested. We can verify weight with a scale, but how do we determine heavy? Heavy is a relative term that is defined differently from person to person. That makes it an opinion. Is my faith going to be something that is verified or assumed to be real? Is my faith going to be based on an opinion that is unchecked, or is it going to be tested? I believe it is crucial to verify my understanding about God through reason, personal experience, testing, and the Bible. I want to have an accurate faith, not a faith based upon opinion or someone else's ideas. I want my faith to be based upon fact and facts that are verifiable. Early on when I was told I could have a spiritual experience, I was also given direction as to how to have it. I needed to do certain things to receive an experience. When Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, and many other similar actions leading to consequences, I can't help but think I need to do likewise to gain an experience that can lead to understanding and results. 
There are many instructions throughout the Bible on how to behave inwardly. Jesus and the disciples really emphasized the inward actions because too often people focus too much on the physical actions and performances. We can easily forget the greatest commandment to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. We can instead focus more on going to church, reading the Bible, attending this, and having this commitment rather than who we are inside, how we feel and what we think, and judging our attitude. When we examine ourselves, we're to examine our inward condition. Where are our thoughts? How do we feel? Are we fearful? Are we moved by pride, lust, vanity, gluttony, greed, these inward things? That's where the emphasis lies. How do we verify if we're giving our all to God? If we love God with our all, all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, how do we test that? How do we examine that? Are we even trying to do that? Isn't this what God wants us to do? The Bible seems to be our measuring tool, our scale, and we can use it to verify and justify faith. But we each develop our own understanding of what it says. I have found it essential to collaborate with others about understanding the Bible. Imagine someone claiming a man to weigh 175 pounds. It would be an opinion until we verify it. We would need a scale. We would need something to measure that. If we do not take the action and weigh the man, it remains just an opinion. Until we verify our faith through action, we will only have an opinionated faith. Because of how easy it is for us to generate opinions and assumptions and draw conclusions about ourselves, about our faith, about how much we trust God and how much we give to God, it's good to examine it. It's good to test it. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Test all things. Hold fast. What is good? Sometimes a good way to measure how we're doing is to ask our spouse, our family, our friends, our co-workers, and get a collective understanding of what they think. But it is important to stay away from ambiguous, like, am I doing okay? Instead, we say, how would you gauge me on my honesty? on my love, on my compassion, and my patience. We can use a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is the worst possible scenario and 10 is Jesus. Where do you see me at? And while we're asking questions on character, what's one thing I can do to improve? How can I grow? I have found doing this to be very helpful with my relationships and my growth with uh, God's character. Ultimately, we will have to choose a course of action. God won't make us do it. We will need to choose to verify our faith or not. We will need to choose to go to the Bible and see how precisely we are applying the instructions from Jesus and God and the disciples, how well we are doing that. If we skip the examination and verifying and testing, then we're really just relying upon our opinion. So our faith will be based upon assumption rather than any thorough evaluation and examination and testing. And for me to take that kind of action would be self-destructive. I know I cannot rely upon my own opinion. I need to be verified. I need to be validated. I need to be checked because my assumption and my opinion will lead me towards some selfish ambition 
uh, going the easier, softer way, complacency, stagnation, and things that are just spiritually destructive and corruptive. Time and time again over the past 30 years, I have experienced and witnessed results of what it is like to grow in God's character. I have also experienced results of complacency, stagnation, and coasting. When I grow with God, my life improves, and when I don't, it suffers. God works, and God is verifiable. The spiritual experiences are verifiable if I do what the Bible says, and do it at a rate to where I do feel some struggle, feel a little suffering, feel myself changing. Following more precisely the instructions in the Bible is to step on the scale, to be measured, to be evaluated, to be examined. But then we need to look at the measurement and how well we apply ourselves to the directions. James 1.25 But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I believe we can all step up to the scale, get real about who we are, and verify our spiritual productivity. But if you're like me, you can be blocked by fear, hurt, deception, and resentment. So coming to the truth would include lowering our guard enough to test things. My pride, too, can get in the way. So I often need to pray for humility to be open to correction. We can humble ourselves and grow into this faith through orienting our hearts, minds, and actions to grow the goodness of God. We can choose to pray with sincerity each day, even if it's just praying for the willingness to be sincere. But if we don't want God's good, it probably won't come. When I didn't want it, I didn't look for it. I didn't seek it. And if someone tried to help me see it, I would send them away. This process has always begun with a willingness to let God become my God. I need to seek God first, not just one time, but continuously over time. In my experience... My character and identity with God is something I need to choose to build. I need to commit to a course of action. I need my mind and heart to be learning, evaluating, how to participate more in God's good ways. Each morning, I get up and reflect upon God's character and how to practice it. For me, a good prayer goes like this. God, please help me from myself. Help me seek your goodness. Help me desire you. Rescue me from fear, anger, dishonesty, and pride. Help me correct my faulty thinking. Help me be willing. Guide me to do one new thing in your character, name, and grace today. And help me taste the good in it. Thy will, not mine, be done. Mm-hmm.